This is the Next Level Running Podcast, brought to you by the expert coaches at Run Doyen, helping runners of all levels crush their goals on race day by matching you with the perfect coach or training plan. Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for joining us here on the Next Level Running Podcast. As always, I'm your host, David Jankowski, here with another monthly edition of this podcast. So we're at a really interesting, maybe cool time right now where races are starting to sound like they're on the horizon. Maybe you've even got some coming up, depending on what part of the world you're in. Um, But I do think that the time when you can toe the line again is is quickly approaching, uh, or at least let's hope, huh? But with that said, we thought it would be a good time to start talking about ways in which you can get yourself in the right state for those races when they do come up, prep, and race strategy so that you can get the most out of all the work that you've put in over the last few months or even the entirety of quarantine if you haven't raced since the beginning of quarantines uh, so that you're ready to go on race day and that you can crush your goals and Get the most out of everything you've done. To do that, I'm joined by one of the coaches here at Rundoyan, Ryan Vale, who's actually a very accomplished marathoner and distance runner himself, to share some of his tips and tricks and the things that he does to prepare for, for races. I think we may even fall down a couple rabbit holes if we're lucky uh, about times when he and I trained together in college, and maybe that'll give some interesting insight into some things you could try to help improve your race performance and to consider race strategy and preparation. So with that, let's welcome Ryan Vale to the Next Level Running Podcast. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me, David, again. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, it's had you on my own podcast, but not on this one. So it's, uh, it's oh, good, good, point. good to yes. jump into this one. Like I, like, we, like I talked about in the intro there, I think this is an interesting time because races may be coming up. So it's a good time to talk about pre-race strategy, things that you do, uh, to prepare for a race and some of those general pieces that you can get in, or- in order to make sure you're taking them you're getting the most out of out of your race and your your work that you've done what are some of the things like just to start us off that you do to try to make sure that you're ready to go on race day as far as preparing and getting ready uh, the biggest thing is just being consistent in terms of what my meal is going to be for that morning and so for those big long run days i will eat exactly what i'm going to eat uh, on race day uh, and it's going to be something that's very, very simple, something that I can, that I know I can get at the hotel, uh, pre-race morning. So it's going to be something very simple, like oatmeal, you know, oatmeal and peanut butter. So consistency. I like that. And you mentioned too, that you do that same thing on like long run days. So you try to model these things throughout your training cycle then? Yep. That's right. Exactly. And so it's always going to be the same, the same exact meal for, let's say 12 weeks for every single Sunday. <laughs> which sounds very boring, but that's, uh, that's sort of the, uh, that's, that's the strategy. It, well, and I think too, it's the worst thing you could have is eat something different where you get messed up stomach and you end up just puking or having a side stitch during race, the, the race day, your race effort. So that's a good yeah. way to avoid maybe some of that uncertainty on race day. And, and of, I guess what we're trying to do is minimize all of the possible extraneous variables that could undermine your race effort, right? That's exactly right. Yeah. It's uh, it's minimizing risk. Yep. So this is one thing that probably, I'm not sure if I should be saying this, but the, <laughs> you know, we worked with a nutritionist with uh, the Brooks Beast who discussed doing 
uh, gluten-free pancakes would be like his thing. You have to have that before the race. The stressful part about that is that you don't know if you're going to be able to have gluten-free pancakes available at the hotel like yeah. the night before the race. And so it's, it's not, it's not worth putting a lot of uh, effort into that. If you think it's something that might not be uh, available. Yeah. No. And that's a really good point too, is sometimes you travel places and you can't be sure that they have certain niche items, especially different regions of the country or even different countries. Yeah. If you're racing overseas, if you, if you are doing seven continents or something like that, and that's your goal, um, you, you may run into things that are a little bit weird. So finding things that are pretty ubiquitous and available everywhere yep. is always a good thing to start yep. with and that you know you can handle, like you said. That's um, absolutely right, yeah. Aside from food, like leading up and then the day before the race or the day of the race, uh, yep. are there any other things that you do to kind of help prepare, I guess, thinking more so in the pre-race and any modeling types of things for consistency that you do? Yeah. So sleep is the biggest one, um, outside of the, outside of the diet. So making sure that you're waking up uh, a certain number of hours before the race. So I do the same thing. So I'll, I'll say I'll be four hours before my long run when I wake up and I will do the same exact thing, uh, on race day, um, three, four hours. I'll keep the same exact sleep schedule heading into the race. And so if it's on a different time zone, I will get there early enough to make sure that I'm adjusted and still keeping the same the, the same consistency with that. The same like schedule in your mind. Yeah. yeah. I, Whether it's East coast or Europe, doesn't mm -hmm. matter. Like I will, I, I will, I will make that adjustment. You know, that's an interesting point. And that's something I've, I've liked to do too. Uh, I've always found getting up at, for me, instead of four, I've always done at least three, um, if I can four, but you know, sometimes races are so darn early in the morning. You don't want to wake up yep. at 3 AM or whatever. Middle, middle of the night. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I try to get up at that time and that's, for me, that's a remnant from actually when you and I were training in college, uh, and our, our coach Richard Weiss, uh, had suggested getting up three hours before the race and going for like a 10 minute walk or something like that, because that's what the university of Arkansas team was doing. And I actually, that's, that's stuck with me because I found it a good way to kind of wake up the body and get everything going so that you weren't like groggy on the, on the line or that your, your warm up wasn't like hitchety and you didn't feel like I guess like garbage when you're doing your warm up because that's the last thing you want right, right before you get on the line is to be like I don't even know if I could run right now. <laughs> yeah. No, that's right. Uh, so I'm not sure if that was a question or if that was just a uh, uh, commentary, but you're exactly right. And I, I kept that uh, actually going into everything except for the marathon. So like half marathon and below, like I was getting up four hours before and doing my 10 minute shakeout run because of Weiss. <laughs> yep. Yep. And it, it's, it's funny too, because I think that can be something you can use, whether it's the marathon or any other race for that matter. It's just a good way to kind of get up and get going, make sure you're awake and just ready to rock and roll, I guess. Yeah. And, and again, like, uh, it goes back to the diet side too, that if you're, if you're planning on eating at that, uh, that time before the race, then it just, uh, just keep everything consistent. Mm -hmm. Give yourself time to digest as well. And cause I know yeah. that's, that's something a lot of people struggle with too, is eating too close to an event. Um, yeah. So yeah. that, that does, that's another good reason for, for giving yourself that window aside. Okay. So now we've got like general, like diet consistency, sleep consistency, and waking up three to four hours before your race. Uh, the same for long runs, the same for any big workouts. What other things do you do to inject consistency across the training plan so that you have that consistency race week? Uh, so I would say I have a very similar schedule in terms of training for the days leading up to that long run. So I'll do strides two days before that long run. 
Uh, I'll, so I do my dynamic stretching and strides two days before that long run, just, just as though, um, if I was prepping for the race. So I did the same thing two, two days before the race. Two days prior. Yeah. Two days prior. Yeah. Do you do any of that stuff? And maybe we can get into race morning a little bit too, but do you do any of those things race morning too? Like dynamic, like strides and drills and things like that as well? Or is it a different type of routine that you're doing two days prior? So for the, for the actual marathon, I would say I'm not doing much of anything that morning. Mm. Um, but, um, if it's, if it's a race that's like, you know, half marathon below or below, then I would do, I would do the very, very similar thing two days before and the morning of. Okay. So maybe we can jump into some of that kind of stuff too. So we've got now some of the consistency and trying to take the things that you're doing throughout your training cycle and do those on race day. And it helps that routine. First of all, helps make sure that you minimize risk. Like we talked about. But that, that also makes me think about just race morning and general strategy, getting up race morning and yeah. what types of things are you doing from when you wake up four hours before the race, you're eating at some point, but what else are you doing between then and when the gun goes off? Uh, basically watching, uh, ESPN, uh, <laughs> <laughs> something to take my brain off of, uh, the, the race itself. So, mm-hmm. uh, I know that sounds silly, but it's probably something that, uh, would benefit most people is just don't think about the race for a few hours, you know, yeah. just, uh, really try to, to, um, divert your, your attention for, for at least, uh, for a bit of that time. Relaxation. I like that. Yeah. 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 And we all, I, I think there are different ways to do that for different people. Some people need a pretty heavy external stimulus where they're like, like focused on music or focused on something on TV. Yeah. Uh, other yeah. people can focus and read a book. Like I always had a hard time reading a book race morning, but I know other people who could yeah. do that just because I, my mind wants to go to the race. Yeah. So, so, so my big one would be like, I have uh, like a, a, a subscription to the uh, economist. So I have like their daily espresso, right. So they have like a, a little rundown. And so I'll kind of go through that and then maybe dive deeper into one of the topics. Uh, just again, something to just, you know, divert my attention yep. uh, during, that, during that short period of time, something that's very non-running related. And so even like when I said, I watch ESPN, that is even almost too close to running for me. So like I, I need it to be like something very different. Yeah. Okay. No. And that makes sense. I, I, I think that's good advice that relaxation in a way to kind of flush the mind and get it ready for the, the harder effort later. Um, are there, are there other things you do um, as far as like, what is the, the warm up routine look like? I know let's talk mainly about the marathon. I think it's significantly mm-hmm. different for shorter distances, but for the marathon, what types of things do you do? Maybe an hour out, 90 minutes out, things like that. Yeah. So my marathon warmup is much shorter than, than any other race, even like the half marathon, I'll start an hour out the marathon. I'll start a half hour out max. Uh, and I'm doing it maybe a 10 minute jog, uh, where as opposed to any other race distance, I'd be doing at least 20 to 30 minute jog, mm-hmm. um, plus drills and strides. So for the marathon, I'm doing 10 minutes of, of very slow jogging, and some very easy dynamic stretching and that's it because there's just no at some point you're you're it's it's a it's diminishing returns mm-hmm. you, you like you just don't want to put more time on your feet right and that's and that too makes sense why we would truncate that that time yeah. before the race that you're doing that warm up if you're doing a 20 to 30 minute jog for a, a 10k that takes up that 30 minute window that now you're starting a half hour before a marathon yeah and I would emphasize too, like you said, we're not trying to put more stress on the legs because it's such a long race. So it's a very light 10 minute jog. If you're going to go jog around and stuff like that, not, we're not exactly, we're not hammering yeah. out 
two miles no. as quick as we can. Yeah, uh, you're you're almost walking. Basically, yeah. you're just you're just trying to 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 do something that's not something. You're you're trying to not be inactive yeah. <laughs> every ten minutes. That's so it. Get the blood flow going <laughs> so that you don't feel like garbage when you get off the line. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the first 5K of the marathon should be the warm-up. And so you, you, you don't need to put that much effort into, in, into the warm-up. And this is giving me flashbacks to my first marathon. And I think there's an important <laughs> mistake I made there that comes from exactly this conversation, which is I was doing prep like I was getting ready for a 10K or a, a 5K. So I did a 20-minute jog beforehand. I did stretches. I did strides. I did a long 300-meter stride to like, open up like the the whole cardiovascular system get ready to rock and roll <laughs> yeah and then what i did is i mean i got out like way 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 too fast got and out I'm, hard and was cruising yeah. like through the half marathon i'm just killing it like half marathon <laughs> pr um yeah. and it's because i had woken up the body in that way where i was ready to rock and roll like immediately in the marathon and for everyone who's run the marathon that's you don't necessarily want to be burning on all eight cylinders from mile one. Uh, and a good way to maybe stop yourself from doing that is not getting the, everything rocking and rolling with the full warm up that That's hour right. before yeah. kind of thing like you do in a 5k. Yep. I agree completely. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you want to be go, you want to go into the marathon, like a little bit slow, like in your uh, m mentally speaking, like yeah. you go in there saying like, you know what, maybe I'm not going to uh, rock this first mile. Maybe I'm going to, uh, not rock the first 5k or if you're really doing the marathon right you're not going to rock the first 10k like <laughs> just take it easy well and that makes it so that gets us into kind of the strategy of the race so again yeah. we'll talk mainly marathon uh you 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 laid out a little bit there and how you kind of want to build into it you don't want to rock and roll through the first 10k or so but how do you look at the strategy of a marathon race and is there anything you do to prepare that strategy is it different from race to race uh, it's definitely different from race to race, depending on which marathon you're doing. But I would say uh, my best marathons have been where I just go in really knowing my fitness. Like I, I have a very good idea of how fast I could possibly run. And I've been able to stick to that, uh, to that pace. So my, my PR being uh, 210.57 during London, I, I, I was almost an even split. And so that was that was my my plan going into that into that race is that I'm going to run 65 65 mm -hmm. and so it, it just depends what your goal is but then going into New York it's a very difficult course and there's no uh no plan of a PR on that race and so you're just going in there trying to compete and trying to beat people um and so it, it just it really depends on the race in terms of what your goal is coming out of it when it sounds like too that that fits into your first theme which is that consistency, because you would model a lot of these things in the ways in which you run your workouts. And do you, do you yeah. do anything like that, like a simulator type marathon run where you, you try to run race pace for a shorter distance to kind of feel it out and get really used to that pace? Is that kind of the things that you're doing to, to prep for something like, like you mentioned with London? Yeah. So that's a good point. So like one of like my biggest things is something like the Hansons have done is uh, I'll do a 16 mile tempo about three weeks before the race where I'm wearing the same shoes I'm going to wear during the race. I'm eating the same. I'm sleeping the same. I'm doing everything the same for those 16 miles. And it's only, you know, that's eight miles short of the race, but it's, I'm trying to mimic everything up until that point. Yeah. Yeah. No. And that's a very good point is kind of 
even even trying to to simulate what the course might look like, where hills are placed, how how aggressive the hills are or aren't. Um, I it 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 makes me wonder about a, a side point, which is when we try to build in as much consistency as possible. There's also there are also going to be times when that consistency gets gets like knocked out the door. Race morning, yeah. you forgot the shoes. You flew out to Philadelphia is where you're going to run your marathon, and you left the shoes on your counter. Uh, the racing shoes yeah. that you love. How do you how do you try to handle those types of things and still build in some flexibility in case you can't get oatmeal race morning or your shoes just blew <laughs> blew through the blown rubber a week before the race? Yeah. What do you do to try to build in that sort of flexibility? Too? No, that that's a that's a good question. So like the I guess the best example I can give is when when I missed my uh, bottles in New York one year. I mean. I, this is probably a bad example because I, I didn't have any backup plan. Uh, somebody was taking my bottles for three of the stops, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, that's 40% of the stops. Uh, ever since then, I've always taken extra gels with me in my pockets, which, you know, it means like stuffing them down my underwear yeah. uh, essentially during the run, just in case something like that. And, and nothing like that has happened again. But that would be one thing to do is to over plan for nutrition. Mm-hmm. That's that. That's one option for sure. I think that's a good point. In not everyone's going to be able to have bottles along the way. Uh, so many right. people are carrying their gels anyway. So yeah. that's that's fortunate yeah. in that case. Yeah. Um, and I guess one tip that I've always found for like keeping the gels is you can, uh, if you feel safe about this, throw in a safety pin on the the front of the the short. Yeah. And then folding yeah, yeah. folding the gel back into the 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 waistband of the the shorts, and that kind of helps keep them together. But thinking about that what are some of the strategies you use for nutrition throughout the race since we're talking about hydration and to the goos and gels that you may use? Yeah. And so this, I'm not sure if I'm, I'm like the best person to be talking about this, but, um, <laughs> I, I generally like right now I'm, I'm using honey stinger as my, as my option. And so what I'm doing is trying to do 60 grams per, um, per 15 minutes, essentially. Um, so I'm, I'm mixing the, the gel with the water. And, and taking that and practicing that on my long runs as well. There's, I mean, there, there's a lot of people right now using um, the, the Morton stuff, um, which, which I tried. It just, for me, it was just way too much sugar because mm-hmm. it was like 700 calories per hour, essentially of yeah. running just an asinine amount of sugar uh, going through that. And so my stomach just didn't handle that very well. So I've just been, I've kind of gone back to um, the one gel per, um, you know, 15 minutes kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that that comes right back down to consistency, like we were talking about before, <clears throat> where you model these things on your long runs and try them out, maybe even see which which yeah. gels, which types of sports drinks may work better and yeah. worse for you. And like you yeah. said, maybe you mix it in the water. I know a lot of people do that. Yeah. I, I always took them separate, but I know a lot of people, yeah. it's the viscosity of the, the different gels is too thick. And it gets stuck in their mouth and yeah. they, they feel like they're choking. So they, they'd rather mix it. Um, that or they just feel sick, you know, after taking it, you know, that it's, too. Uh, it's some, some people just can't handle that, uh, that amount of sugar, like in, in one punch, it's like, yeah, it's like taking shots fair. of Coca-Cola or something. It's like, <laughs> just isn't, uh, isn't right for, uh, for most people. <laughs> it's, and that's why you try it on the long run. Uh, yeah. <laughs> better, better right. to have a long run go poorly than your race. Yeah. And I, I've, I've heard things too. I don't know if this is true and maybe. Maybe you do, or maybe it's something we'll have to ask Will in a in a later episode. I've heard that mixing the gels into the water helps absorption rate for a lot of the different stuff too. It it changes the way in which you digest. 
but I don't know if that's actually okay. true. I've, I've heard that, so I don't that's, know. That's why I started doing it originally, but I, I, again, I, I'm just not, I don't have the, uh, the scientific background to, to say that for sure. It's, it's just what's worked for me. Fair enough. Well, the key out of that is, of course, to model these things ahead of time. Try out a couple different gels. Try out a couple different sports yeah. drinks. See what Absolutely. works best. See what doesn't make your stomach go crazy. Uh, and see what kind yeah. of makes you feel pretty good. So I, get, I always like the things with caffeine, get, too. Get 10, get, get 10 long runs in. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I was going to say the same thing. So get get 10 good long runs in with the same nutrition you're going to use. And if you're a coffee drinker, get that caffeine in there, too, because that I know that the, the science is still kind of out there in terms of whether it's beneficial or not, but it makes me feel better mid-run if I have the caffeine. So I, again, if you're a coffee drinker, just get, get that caffeine, do it. <laughs> it. And a lot of the, uh, a lot of the gels and things already have caffeine in them too. You can look at them. Exactly. And if you prefer 32 milligrams not to have it, they say that too. Yeah. No, I, 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 I ran into the same thing, but yeah. So, okay. So we jumped into nutrition just because that kind of came up, but I, I want to go back and you mentioned the course and trying to map out the course for any pre-race stuff that you do. Uh, do you do yeah. anything to kind of prep for race day and how you're going to approach the course itself? And how do you, how do you kind of look at course and elevation maps and things like that? So I do. So I, I basically have a super flat course in Portland and a very hilly course in Portland. Um, and so that's as simple as it gets. So if I'm doing New York or Boston, <laughs> I'm doing the super hilly course mm-hmm. for my 16 mile tempos or for my long runs. Um, if I'm doing Berlin, I'm doing the super flat course. And again, it's, it's more about prepping your muscles for the downhill and uphill as, as, a, as opposed to the actual pace. Mm-hmm. Um, so one thing that I would say that I really messed up on um, was pre-Boston uh, is really not prepping my legs for the downhill. I, I ruined my race by going too fast in the first 5K in Boston. And I think I really could have avoided that had I done that for some of my uh, harder tempos uh, leading into it. Yeah. No. And I think that's the big thing too. It, again, this is all coming back to consistency. So your body just knows what to expect race day and there aren't, there are as few surprises as possible. Yeah. Are there any things that you look at on the course to try to look at when you could maybe make a move or surge or, or to try to mark out things ahead of time when, when pace changes may happen and things like that? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say that for, for me personally, I think around the 30K mark is when I will feel confident that I'm going to be able to maintain my pace. And so I, I like to wait until about that point. And then if I'm feeling okay, just hammer from there. Yeah. So from, from that point, once, once I feel good at that point, then to try to hammer as opposed to being earlier, or it's not even about the actual um, the hills or the, or the actual course, it's more about just the timing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you and I'm curious your thoughts on this because what, what I always did is I would try to look up online. If a lot of, a lot of courses, especially the bigger marathons have elevation maps. So you can kind of see yeah. where those undulations may or may not be. Uh, and then two, if they have a lot of times there's a, like a gator footage of the entire race course that you kind of run through quickly. So you're at least somewhat familiar with the course. If you can't run it, if it's in my hometown, a lot of times I'll run portions of the course. Uh, I I know the, uh, it reminds me of an old story with, um, who was it? Bill Rogers and Craig Virgin, I think before the Boston marathon, they met at the dinner the night before. And, uh, Bill Rogers was telling Virgin, you know, Hey, it was pretty cool. I ran with the, the Japanese marathoner. Shiko Seiko in the first half of the marathon this morning, just to, to kind of see the course. And Virgin goes, no way. I ran the last half of the marathon with him. 
And turns out <laughs> Seiko ran the entire marathon course the day before as a warm up, and then won Boston that year. Um, that's an aside to say, I, I think it's good to run the yeah. course before so that you're, you're kind of prepped for yeah. the race and like you've seen it and you feel comfortable with it. Um, yeah. if you can run the course beforehand, that that's not yeah. always the case in like Chicago, it's probably going to be pretty tough to go, <laughs> go run or, or New York or Boston. Yeah. Most yep. of the time it's not the case. Yeah. But, uh, that's why those, those gator, that gator footage is a good way to kind of get yourself, uh, accustomed to, to where different things are and you can get markers in your head so that. Uh, it feels yep. more comfortable when you're there and you don't feel like you're just out in the middle of nowhere and well, good luck. And, and the, the, the biggest thing is just putting like a, a, a pin in your brain. Mm-hmm. So like, let's say it's 30 K in, and just telling yourself at 30 K, this is when, I, when I'm going to push. I don't care if that's an uphill or downhill, just like having that pin in your brain that you're, you're something to look forward to. Yep. I, I know that at that weird building at about the 30 K mark, that's where right about then. That's when I'm going to start moving forward or whatever yep, that, exactly. that move point is. Yeah. So pick, pick a spot. It's a, it, it's, it's basically irrelevant. Just pick a spot. Mm-hmm. That makes me wonder too. So for me, looking at the course is a cathartic thing and it helps me with mental prep. Are there any things that you do for mental prep either during the race or, or leading up to the race? Aside from, we talk about consistency and looking at race courses, but are there other things? Yeah. So I would say during my, uh, during my long run, I will, uh, especially towards the end, I will pretend that I'm in the race. So I'm thinking about, well, I would, I would still have 10 miles to go right now. Like, could I possibly do that? Mm -hmm. The answer is normally no, (laughs) there's no way that I can possibly keep this up for 10 miles. Um, but that, that keeps me motivated during that long run is, is thinking that, uh, the race is going to be much harder than what I'm going through right now. Yeah. I've always liked that too, kind of visualizing during uh, during long runs when you're kind of hurting, um, because it's going to yeah. be just as terrible a pain during the race. Um, yep. and being ready to accept that pain and keep moving. Um, I don't know if you did, this is another thing we got from coach Weiss at Oklahoma state, but, uh, <laughs> the visualization, I don't know. Do you, do you still do any visualization stuff the night before or the week before? So I do. So this is, uh, probably something that me and you haven't actually talked about. So my, uh, um, one of my wrestling coaches in college was Randy Couture. So again, like huge MMA guy. Uh, he was my, he's my high school wrestling coach. And so he would actually take us through once a week, every Tuesday through a very in-depth sort of visualization um, uh, process. And that's something that I still used uh, to to this day where now I do it the day before the race, but um, where I really try to sit down and, I don't know if meditate's the right word, but almost meditate where I'm, I'm picturing myself at every, every mile or every 5k, um, during the race Mm -hmm. and imagining how hard it's going to feel at each point, um, during that race and, you know, trying to pump myself up for getting through that. I, I, I found that very helpful too. Um, and I remember actually, you've told me, uh, about, about your, your wrestling coach and, and how you guys did some of those things before. Um, and I found the most powerful thing is exactly what you emphasize there, which is not just thinking about mile markers or, or going through these, these distances and seeing splits, but really considering how terrible you might be feeling at that point. So that yeah. it's not a surprise. Not, not, not even considering like just knowing. Yeah. Knowing it's a good point. That bad. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I even, one thing I did, I don't know if you do this too, is 
coming at it a few different ways. So like I got out really well. I'm perfectly on split and, and paces are on point. I feel pretty good and strong at the half. But then go through it a different way in your head and think of I'm a little bit too fast. I still feel good, but it's questionable. And then even too, I'm a little behind pace. I'm feeling rough today. And kind of going through different yep. different things like that, as well as even weather conditions, trying to think about, okay, it's it's really windy. How am I going to yeah. – and, and trying to think through those things. Do you do those as well? Absolutely. Uh, and I would say especially too, like looking at, looking at your competitors, mm-hmm. where you say like, hey, this guy is somebody I should be running with right now. He looks way better than me. He looks much fresher. Like, should I, should I be feeling this bad right now? Is like, is it something wrong with me? Is it, uh, or do we both feel bad at the same time? I don't, you know, I don't know. Um, and so those things go through your mind all the time. And I like, I like visualizing those things too, because then when they hit you in the race, they aren't surprising and they aren't things that could undermine you in the way that they would if they're novel. And I, so I'm, I'm glad that you, 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 you found luck with that too, because I didn't want it to be just me. So, uh. I, I found that kind of visualization and walkthroughs of, of, of the course and the race ahead of time to be a very helpful way to build into my own uh, strategy. Are there any other things you do? So we talked a little bit about looking at the course ahead of time, modeling the course ahead of time on, on other races and other or other workouts rather, maybe looking at uh, hills and how you're going to attack them, picking points out on the course and looking at it, uh, and then two mental strategies to approach a race. Are there other other things that you do to prep for the race or is that about containing everything that is coming up on race day? I would say the, the next biggest thing for me is that uh, I've worked with the same coach for, you know, 11 years now, or we're now going on 2004. So we're going on 16 years now. So just having his input going into it um, and saying like, listen, like I know you're training for the past, you know, decade. Um, This is what you're capable of and trusting him even if I don't trust myself. No, I think that's a good one too, is uh, finding either a coach or someone, a, a trusted training partner who can ca- kind of give you that fair assessment yeah. and make yeah. you feel, give, give you that extra bit of confidence. Um, yeah. That's that's a really good addition. And actually, it even makes me think of goal setting uh, for an individual race. Is there a way that you kind of approach just generally, are there goals and, and ways that you look at a, a race ahead of time that way as far as times or, or things like that? Yeah. And again, this is going to sound very, um, I don't know, it's, it's, it, it's not going to sound very interesting, but just that one, 1% every, every year. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've, you know, before being injured, I, I had a personal best every year, you know, under Dave and it's really, it was never about any kind of magical workout or anything like that, but just very slow consistency. Mm-hmm. So just, just being okay with getting that 1% as opposed to getting the 20, 30%. Just be, be, be okay with getting that 1% that year. Every improvement. Yeah. Uh, I, so one thing I've done too, on top of that, because that's, to me, that's more of a global goal for like a, a full year. You know, we're trying to always be moving forward. And part of it comes down to how training was in that segment. And that's why I think you vet yourself against a, a trusted training partner or coach, like you mentioned. Another thing yeah. I do is I, I have tiers of goals. So I would have, and I do this with my athletes too, and I found it pretty helpful, is like an A goal, a B goal, and a C goal. The A goal being perfect day, perfect conditions, felt awesome, everything went right. This is what I want to hit. B goal, still a good thing, uh, still pretty good conditions. Things went relatively well, but I made some mistakes and it could have been better. C goal is the absolute baseline. This is, I would be satisfied if I hit this goal, Yeah. but 
it's not the best day. Yeah. So I, I messed everything up except for A, B, and C at this point. Yeah. <laughs> no, those are the, uh, those are the goals that I try to come into a race with. And I think it helps both sides. It, it helps you, you know, you, you can recalibrate partway through the race then, and you have time to kind of yeah. go, okay, you know what? It's, it's too dang windy. There's no way I can hit the A today, but the B goal yeah. is still going to be good. And that's so still hit, very reasonable. Yeah. We're still going to hit B. Yeah. Yep. And even yeah. too, like if you're uh 5k to go and you know, the C goal is the only thing you got a shot at, but hot dang, I'm going to get there. Yeah. Just, just not giving up. And it, I think it Absolutely. gives you those kind of accountability yeah. markers. Um, so I've always. Yeah, you bet. I agree with that. That's a good point. Yeah. Is, is there, okay. So we've talked quite a bit about one race day strategy, but two, all the prep and consistency that you do. Are there any other things that you think we've, we've missed just to recap? We talked food, food consistency, and trying to eat things that you know, won't upset your stomach, even to nutrition during the race the same way. Uh, we talked about sleep and getting up about four hours before and doing something, moving around and getting your mind on something else. So you're not focused too much on the, the race itself and, and losing a lot of mental energy. We talked about that just kind of relaxation and then the race day stuff yeah. and how you prep for that. Is there anything else that we're missing in any of those components? I would say not missing, but I would say uh, what has been really helpful for me is just really finding a good sort of side hobby um, that you can utilize to not just not think about the race on race day, but during midweek where if you're really training super hard and, and you're really only thinking about that, like just pick up the drums of the guitar, like just go, go buy a guitar. <laughs> that's, a, that's what I'll say. <laughs> Something that's uh, maybe an active activity, but not really heavily athletic. So not like hammering out a basketball game, but uh, exactly something yeah. that can, you can get engrossed in uh, and take out some of that nervous energy on. That's right. That's, yeah. yeah, no, that's, that's, I think really good advice. One thing I just thought about too, as we're going back through this, or I, I think there are two questions people who are listening probably still have, which is they've heard a lot about carbo loading. And is that a thing that you do? Should they be doing that? And how, do, how do you do that? Um, and then the other is tapering. And I think each of those could probably be their own podcast, but quick and dirty, your thoughts on carbo loading and yeah. tapering. So I feel bad because again, I, I don't think that I'm a, a good person to answer this question because I, I just don't have that background. But from my own personal perspective, like what I've done in terms of carbo loading is I don't, I just don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I eat normally. Uh, and so because I'm tapering, that is kind of carbo loading at that point because I'm just, mm -hmm. I'm just not, I'm eating the same amount um, and training less. And so that is my carbo load. And so I, I, again, I, I don't have a good answer for that. Um, well, I, I tend to agree. I think that the issue with carbo loading, unless you're doing it before all your long runs and know how your body responds to it, right. I think you can yeah. throw yourself into like sugar spikes and things like that race morning. That can be yeah. a much bigger problem. So it's, I think it comes back to your main point about consistency and then testing yeah. out what works well for you because yeah, a, a big bowl of, I don't know, some sort of uh, creamy pasta, it might throw you into a tailspin at the 5k mark. And yeah, it it's, it's to me, it's more about making sure that you're consistent. Or 10 minutes before the race, you know, like, yeah. or, or, or you're uh, crap, cracking your pants 10 minutes before the yeah. race and like the, yeah, that's possible too. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Eating something. That's a great, <laughs> so I guess to give people, a an example on that one. Um, yeah, I know. Right. Uh, the Chicago half marathon, I was doing that as a, as a, um, as, as like a, a primer for my, my first marathon. And I went out to dinner the night before with a, with a friend and we went and had seafood. Uh, but something was his name, uh, name Mike. No, it wasn't. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it was something that, that, uh, didn't quite agree with me. And the whole, the whole half marathon was thrown into, like I said before, like a tailspin. I was finding porta potties all across the course if I could. And it, it was every 5k, basically I had to stop, which really, I mean, it undermined, that was only a workout, but if that would have been my race day, it would have been yeah. a miserable day to lose just because I ate something. I played around and got a little bit too exotic the night before. Um, yeah. and I think that's a, for me, that's a good story to remember. Try to stick to the plan and don't, don't get too, too crazy. That's right. Yeah. But, uh, then tapering, any thoughts on, on tapering and how you've approached that? When I read the literature, I've seen a lot of people talking about how, uh, the harder you taper, the bigger problems you're going to have on race day. But for me, I've, I've always had a consistent taper where I'll go from 140 miles a week down to 60 to 70 that week of, and I always feel better that way. And so yeah. again, I, it's, it's just based on experience. Um, and it might not be the right solution, but I taper pretty hard. When I, I think, I think that's what you're bringing up there is, is the key point within that, that it's very individual in how people respond to taper, what may work best for you. And it's a good one to work with your coach on. And maybe, and like I said too, this is something we could do a whole episode on just tapering, why it's good, why yeah. it's bad, how it works for certain people. But I do think it's a, it's a level of what's worked well for you in the past and what you're comfortable with. Um, yeah. that's what, that's what it'll come down to at the end of the day. Um, exactly. But yeah. Well, I think, I mean, that pretty much covers soup to nuts the things <laughs> that we need to be doing. Uh, well, I, think, I, I, I know this is your podcast, but I kind of wanted to like ask you a bit more about your, yeah, it's like, what did, uh, yeah. So what, t tell me what, uh, messed your stomach up. <laughs> what, what, what messed my stomach up? Well, yeah. you know, I, there are plenty of things. I won't, I won't throw, uh, any specific, uh, sports drinks or anything <laughs> under the bus, but that you talked about sugar content in the gels and things like that. Um, after the Twin Cities Marathon, I spent about an hour puking uh, just up red goo uh, after yeah. that race uh, because I was drinking. And that's when you, you, you ran about two, six, two 16 or the other. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And I spent, yeah. So good, it did, didn't have a, didn't have a bad day and you still just puking. Yeah, but it could have been a better day, I think. And yeah. um, it was one of those where it's, it's one of those frustrating days where you got a little bit of nutrition wrong and you got out a little bit too fast and you're kicking yourself because you felt good and you, you left something on the table to me is what yeah. th that race was. And it, it, it certainly hit within my ABC goals. It wasn't my A goal though, by any means. Yeah. And the day was right for an A goal. So, and as far as like how I was feeling and how training had gone up to that point, I, there's still a lot there that I feel like was left on the table and it's because of yeah. mistakes I made with, nutrition and mistakes I made with that warm up, like we talked about making sure that it's not a really big warm up, so that you're not like ready to get off the line and crush it. Um, yeah. And that's what I did. I got off the line and was smashing it. I was first place through 
through uh, 100 meters and stayed right there through 20 miles. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, that was a, it was a good learning experience. So there's that. But yeah. those are, I think mistakes are usually the best way that you learn these, these things. And that's what's kind of brought me back to your main point, which is consistency and getting a routine across your training cycle so that you just emulate yeah. that on race day as much as possible. And like I said, I mean, it's things I've ate before, uh, the night before that have just too much fat content or something that's just not right. Or, uh, like seafood that may not have been cooked correctly that end up just messing you up entirely. Uh, those have been the things that have got me more than anything. And two, I think I've, I've seen that across, uh, the athletes I've worked with and, and former teammates too. It's, it's actually when that consistency breaks down that you see the, the races that fall apart the biggest. Um, yeah. and you can see even the way that people respond. Actually, that's a good point is the way that people respond to when the things that they don't expect when those things happen, that's when people's races break down the most. And so that's, yeah. that's something to be aware of in your own race. But also too, if you're looking to beat the person next to you, you can see on them that moment when they go, this is not what I thought it would be. And that's a good time to, yeah. to separate yourself. Uh, if you're looking for a place finish. <laughs> yeah. And that's somewhere where I feel like I've probably misled uh, people listening right now is that when, if you don't get that good night of sleep, like if, if it's not consistent, you still have to be able to adapt. Mm -hmm. So th there are those nights where you, <laughs> you're so stressed out about the race that you, you don't sleep that whole night. Well, mm -hmm. get over it and, and get ready to race the next morning. Um, and so I, I think I've, I don't know. I don't think I've, I've done a good job of uh, expressing that side of it, that you have to be ready to, to be adaptable. Well, and it's good to remember to one night of sleep going poorly does not kill your race. It's not going right. to destroy you. You're going to feel not as good as you could have, but yeah. it's more a feeling. It's not your body's still ready yeah. to rock and roll. Yeah. Um, don't, don't let, don't, yeah, exactly. Don't let your brain let, uh, you know, trick you into thinking that uh, the race is over because you had one night of good, uh, bad sleep. Yep. Well, and I think that's where, I mean, you talked about visualization too, and how you've worked on some of that stuff and, and preparing for the worst kind of in your mind. And I, th yeah. I think that part does help kind of safeguard you from a, a lot of those things. So, well, I didn't sleep well. What does that look like when I start? Or yeah. I tripped, I fell down during the yeah. marathon. What does that look like? Yeah. My, my shoe, my shoe was untied for uh, two seconds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. and how do you approach those things? It, and I think that just kind of helps you get ready for those those moments, and two, just being ready yeah. to take a deep breath and be okay with something that's not going right. Give yourself a, a second or two yeah. to think it through. Exactly, and and so if I can give an example of that, which I think would be helpful for this uh, this podcast, would be like world cross country. Mm. I've been in China, I've been in Jordan, I've been uh, I've been all over the world for these um, types of races. And guess what? They don't have cereal in China yeah. like, for breakfast. Like, yeah. uh, they have spicy soup. Uh, you have to you have to deal with these things. Uh, and but everyone does. Everyone in the race is still dealing with the same issues. Mm -hmm. That's it. That reminds me of I. I ran into a similar issue when we were racing in Japan, and everything yeah. they gave us was some derivative of seafood, whether it was breakfast, <laughs> lunch, or dinner. Yeah. And yeah. like even I even remember. Um, there was a soft serve ice cream machine and uh, one of the other competitors and I went over there like, oh, we'll get some ice cream. And it was seafood flavored ice cream. 
It was like, <laughs> how can everything be? It was incredible. But it, that's exactly to your point is sometimes you can't predict what they're going to have available and what you can actually yeah. access. And it's, yeah. it's only made worse in, in an area where maybe you don't even speak the language. So you, ha you don't yeah. have the ability yeah. to ask around and say, Hey, I just want something starchy like bread. Yeah. I just want some Kellogg's man. Come yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, so be ready for the unexpected, I think is one of the best yeah. things and building inconsistency yeah. helps you help safeguard you from, from the things that you can control. But then not yeah. being, not being overwhelmed by, by the things that you can't control, and being okay. Not, not being not not being destroyed uh, if it doesn't go go your way. Yeah. yeah. No, exactly. I think uh, what's the old saying? Be like a duck. Let like water rolling off your back. Just let it yeah. let it happen. Or uh, yeah. Speaking of water, who's the uh, was it Bruce Lee? Bruce Lee, who was? Oh, that's right. Is yeah, it, well, he like said it was be water. Yeah. yeah. Be, be water, yeah, my friend. Uh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Be like Bruce Lee. That's, that's the message for today. Be yeah. water. Yeah. Be water. But I think that covers this. So I think, well, I think, and we've said this 50 times over, but I think the key takeaway is consistency. Control what you can mm -hmm. control. Model those things throughout the training cycle. Do the things in your long run that you're going to do during the race, whether that's nutrition or the way that you approach the race. And it's a hilly course, run a hilly long run course. If it's a flat course, flat long run course. And think about some of those things ahead of time too, and how you would approach those things during the race. Even visualizing during your long runs is a helpful thing to do to prepare yourself for race day itself. Along with that consistency and how you fuel and do nutrition, those those things should be built into the workout days along your training cycle as well, uh, so that there aren't surprising things that may come up during uh, during race morning. Even too, looking at race morning, one of the things that we talked about was not getting a really, really big warm up in doing a short warm up, maybe just a brisk walk, a walk, light jog, nothing quick, not, not anything like you would do for a, a half marathon or below, especially mm -hmm. on, on uh, marathon day. And I, I want to stress it's this marathon day we're talking about something like 10 minutes, nice and easy, very light stretching, dynamic stretching type drills, but nothing to really wake you yeah. up. And that first 5k exactly. is where you're going to wake the body up and yeah that first portion of the course, that one mile, 5k, 10k is more so where you could lose your race than where you could win your race. And so it's about staying controlled during that portion, letting your body wake up and get into the flow and lock into your paces. Uh, from there, what you do is you let your, your visualization take you away. So night before, week before, across all your long runs, thinking about how you're going to approach the race and go through those different por portions of the race, depending on how you're feeling, aiming at those A, B, and C goals, and trying to execute those based on what the weather gives you, what race day gives you, and how the week has been leading up to that. Yeah. And then executing, uh, not overthinking and like, like, it. And like you mentioned, making sure that you understand like what would uh, change uh, those A, B, and C goals. Like why, why would you go from A to B or to B, uh, B to C? And thinking about that, like heading into the race. Yeah. And doing a, 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 it's a tough thing because I think you have to be brutally honest with yourself when you make yeah. those those changes because nobody wants to let go a goal. Yeah. I I want I want to hold on to a goal with a death grip, but yeah, sometimes you got to know if I hold on to the a goal, I'm going to end up missing my c goal because I'm going to blow up. Um, yeah, and you have to be able to make that decision and be brutally honest with yourself to make that call.
especially with the marathon again it's like if it's a 5k it's one thing you can you can do another one two weeks later this is the marathon this is like this is what you you don't have many opportunities this year to do this so at least hang on to that being seagull yeah no and that's that's actually a really good point that i'm glad you brought and that, up. that doesn't make you weak it just uh it just makes you smart yeah well and you know honestly i think people who race intelligently race better over the long term you might get lucky yeah. pushing against it once in a while but you're getting lucky uh yes so no that's that's really good i think the only other things aside from those bits those race prep the uh sleep so i guess four hours before maybe three hours i do three hours before but like yeah. you said four hours before something that's consistent is the big uh, yeah thing. whatever's consistent exactly um yeah. and then relaxing between that period and whenever you're going to get to the race line and get ready to go um, even to the things that you, you wear for the most part, finding things that you're comfortable with. So, you know, they're not going to chafe you and yeah. make you upset during That's the race. That's a good point. Um, yeah. those are, those are more minor, but it's worth, it's worth noting. Uh, oh, absolutely especially like depending on the time of year like that's probably something we should have talked more about is like i think that's a huge huge part of it is making sure that you're wearing the right apparel yeah. um yeah the good thing is so if anyone is interested in what the right apparel is for different times of year at least for the the winter side uh we just released the instagram live conversation with tara welling and oh nice okay and, and she was talking about types of things that she wears for training in the winter and racing in the winter so that's up on the next level running podcast as well. So you can find that if you're, if you're curious about at least what to wear in the winter, um, we'll yeah. probably do others about summer and spring wear too, but, uh, that, that is a good point, but I think that basically covers it. Some of these things are going to be very individual. There isn't a, a set perfect strategy that works for every single person. And it's about finding what works well for you and finding a trusted coach or running partner who can kind of help guide you there and be honest with you too, to help keep you on that path. But I think that that basically covers the nuts and bolts of getting ready for a race and then executing. Yeah, I think so. Perfect. Well, man, I'm, uh, it's, it's been fun again as well. It uh, feels like we're back in college. So it's, uh, <laughs> been, it's been, it's been a good time. I appreciate you, uh, you having me on again. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate it, Ryan. It's always good to to talk through these and hopefully this is helpful too to the to everyone listening to the the Run Doyen uh podcast here at Next Level Running. And uh we'll be back again next month with uh with another episode, hopefully just as entertaining and just as informative. All right, well hopefully next month I'll be back on uh Portland time zone. Yeah. Yeah, that'll help me out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, man. All right, once again, that's Ryan Vale, one of the coaches here at Run Doyen, and that'll close up this month's Next Level Running podcast. I hope you enjoyed this conversation and are looking forward to next month's conversation, always on the 26th. And don't miss the Instagram Live replays that we post on the 13th of every month. To make sure that those are in your inbox, go ahead and subscribe to this podcast on whatever podcasting platform you use, and don't forget to give us a rating good, bad, or ugly, we'd like to hear from you. That'll wrap us up here this month. I'll see you in March. Thank you for joining us here on the Next Level Running Podcast, your source for training advice from the expert coaches at Run Doyen. If you're ready to take your training and racing to the next level, head over to rundoyen.com and get matched to your ideal coach who will provide you with the highly customized online training you need 
to start crushing your goals on race day.